This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope that this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. We're going to take our Bibles. I'm beginning a new series of messages entitled Legacy Living. Legacy Living, it has the potential to change your life. I believe this. We're taking our Bibles to Mark chapter 14. Verse 3, it says, Being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he said it meet, there came a woman having an alabaster box full of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and she poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and says, Well, this was a waste. For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence. Let me explain. 300 pence was a year's wages. Could have been sold for a year's wages and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why you trouble her? For she's wrought a good work on me. For you have the poor with you always. And whensoever you will, you may do them good. But me, you don't have always. What did he say? The poor is always going to be around here. You can always help the poor. But I'm not going to be here always. She's done what she could. <laughs> and she has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she have done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. This that she's done will last forever. Wouldn't you like to live a life in such a way it will last forever? Wouldn't you like to do things that will last forever? She did. The foundation of uh, what I'm going to preach today comes from one quote. There was a man by the name of William James, and William James said this. He said, the great use of life is to spend it for something that will outlast it. The great use of my life, the great use of your life is to spend it for something that will outlast it. In 1995, I watched a movie. Back then, you would go and you would rent VHS tapes. And I remember going to somewhere like Blockbuster Video and renting a VHS tape of a movie called Mr. Holland's Opus. Mr. Holland's Opus. It was a movie about Richard, Richard Dreyfuss, but hey, anybody watched the movie other than me? Well, five of you. Anyway, but I remember watching that movie, but before I went to see the movie, I said, what is an opus? I didn't know what, I've I just got to be honest, I didn't know uh, what is an opus. And then I, you know, it probably shocks you because I'm very musical, but anyway, it's a musical composition. 
And the movie was about a man by the name of Glenn Holland. And Glenn Holland wanted to write this great musical composition. He wanted to write this great orchestra and have a symphony, symphony do his music and, and him direct it. And he wanted to, that's the mark he wanted to leave. But you know, life happens while we're making plans. And uh, he took a job at a high school in Oregon, John F. Kennedy High School. And days passed. <laughs> you know, the days are long, but the years are short. And years passed. And he was getting ready to retire because they were pushing him out the door. They were cutting the music program. And they said, we need to get rid of the old guy. Sometimes they do that. And we're cutting the budget simply because we want to get rid of this guy. And he felt like, ladies and gentlemen, a complete failure. But he didn't know as he was coming basically to clean out his office that his wife and son had got together and called a lot of his former students to come back. So when he came to clean out his office, he walked into an auditorium, and that auditorium was full of his former students. And one of his students was addressing Mr. Holland. She was now the governor of the state of Oregon. And this is what she said to him. Mr. Holland had a profound influence on my life, on a lot of lives I know. And yet I get the feeling that he considers a great part of his own life misspent. Rumor had it he was always working on this symphony of his, and this was going to make him famous, rich, probably both. But Mr. Holland isn't rich, and he isn't famous, at least not outside of our little town. So it might be easy for him to think himself a failure. And he would be wrong. Because I think he's achieved a success far beyond riches and fame. Look around you. There is not a life in this room that you have not touched. And each one of us is a better person because of you. We are your symphony, Mr. Holland. We are the melodies and the notes of your opus. And we are the music of your life. Now, when I saw that, folks, I began to think about inheritance and I began to think about legacy. You know, the Bible says that a good man leaveth an inheritance for his children. So there's nothing wrong if you have an inheritance and you said, Pastor Benny, I want to leave an inheritance for my children. That's biblical. And I always remember, where there's a will, there's a relative. Amen? I want to leave an inheritance for my children. And I know what some of you are thinking. Benny, I don't have any children. Well, I love you, Dad. <laughs> but there's a difference. See, an in, in inheritance is something you leave for somebody. A legacy is something you leave in somebody. And I want to talk to you about legacy living. And by the way, don't you get in your mind that you're 28 and this is not relevant to you. You're living your legacy every day of your life. 
You don't get 70 and start living your legacy then. You're living your legacy every moment of your life. Every moment. Now, there was this lady named Mary who, according to the Bible, left such a legacy that Jesus said what she did would be remembered for all eternity. Wouldn't you like to live in such a capacity that your life would live for all eternity because of what you did? And when I read that, I said, we've got to look at her life. And, and come up real close, by the way, folks. This lady is mentioned three times in the Bible. Three times. And all three times, she's at the feet of Jesus. Every time she's mentioned, she's at the feet of Jesus. So if there's a lady that we need to learn from, this is the lady. And I want us to see her. First of all, who was she? Well, the Bible says this. The Bible says her name was Mary. But by the way, that was the most common name for any woman in Israel. It was the most common name. But look here at the Scripture. It says, It came to pass as they went, they entered into a certain village. This is talking about Jesus. And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Now, you remember Martha in the Bible. Martha was always cooking. She was always cleaning. She was organized. Her home was in better homes and garden. She was very, very detailed. And the Bible says that Jesus comes to the house, and it's obvious who the leader was. It was Martha. Martha received him into the house. And even the Bible says this about her. And she had a sister called Mary. Mary was referred to as Martha's sister. Who's that? That's Martha's sister. Amen? Who's that? That's Martha's sister. There was nothing special about her. She was just a common lady. You know what I've learned, folks, from studying life and from studying the Bible? God uses the unlikely. God many times, most of the time, doesn't use the accomplished, the acclaimed, the oratorical skills. God uses those that he can use in such a fashion that there's no debate who gets the glory. Now, who was she? And then there's a second question I ask. What did she do? What did this lady Mary do? Well, the Bible says she had this precious perfume. She had this precious perfume. It was worth a year's wages. And she took that precious perfume and she broke it and poured it on the head of Jesus. It ran down his body and she washed his feet with her hair. Notice what the scripture says there in Mark. It says, the alabaster box of ointment, of spikenard, very precious. Folks, not good, not acceptable, but precious. 
You know what God wants from me and what God wants from you? Not what's good. Not what's acceptable. God wants precious. David said, I'm not going to give God a sacrifice that costs me nothing. God wants your precious time. God wants your precious thoughts. God wants your precious talent. What's precious to you, ladies and gentlemen, is what God wants. What God wants from me. He wants my Isaac. He wants what's precious. Psalms 126, verse 5 and 6 says this. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bringing precious seed, shall doubtless come again, bringing his sheaves with him. Friend, you don't get the sheaves until you release the precious seed. You want blessing in your life? Let go of what's precious. You want blessings in your life? You say, God, I want you. I love my family. I love this. I love that. But what I need more than anything else, I need you. I need you. Who was she? What did she do? Now, folks, I... uh, I ask a third question. Why did she do it? And I think I know. I think I know why she gave that perfume that was worth more than a year's wages. I think I know. See, if you read John chapter 12, you read this story. But if you read John chapter 11... You read where Jesus resurrected Lazarus. I'll tell you what I believe. I believe she said, my brother was dead, and Jesus resurrected him. And after what the Lord's done for me, I'm willing to give him what's precious. After what the Lord's done for our family, I'm willing to give him what's precious. I told my brother this week, I said, Kevin, I don't understand. When I have a memory, you know, I have a a good memory. I said, I don't understand. I can remember. Why didn't God give me a voice to sing? And, and, And if he had given me a voice to sing, a lot of times during the message, I'd cut loose and I'd just start singing. And if And when I was preaching this point, I'll tell you what I'd sing. I'd sing when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how he picked me up and turned me around, how he placed my feet on solid ground, it makes me want to shout, Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. 
And I'd say to him, you can have my precious ointment. You can have my precious ointment in light of what you have done for me. Let me tell you something else. The Bible says this, folks, that she anointed his body, get this down, for burial. Did you ever think about that? It didn't say she was just putting some Paul Sebastian on him. She was anointing his body for burial. Apparently, she knew what was going to happen futuristic. Well, pastor, how did she know? Look what the Bible says. For she had a sister called Mary, which sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Let me tell you something, folks. You want to learn about Jesus? Get in his word. You'll learn his word through reading and studying but you'll learn his ways by spending time with him. See, there's two things you need to learn. You need to learn his word, and you need to learn his ways. And you'll learn his word by getting into it, and you'll learn his ways by spending time with him. Who was she? (laughs) What did she do? Why did she do it? Where was she at? Did you ever think about that? Well, the Bible tells us this in John chapter 12, that she was in a hostile place. She was in a hostile place because when she anointed him with that precious ointment, there was a Judas there. And that Judas said, that could have been sold and given to the poor. Let me tell you something, folks. Anytime you try to do something for God, there'll always be criticism. I want you to understand, get this down. If you try to go deeper with the Lord, hell's coming at you. When you try to go deeper with God, you want to accomplish something for God. The more folks you do for God, a bigger target will be on your back. Or they may start out idolizing you. But it won't be long, they'll be criticizing you. And it won't be long, they'll be scandalizing you. I've been cussed. I've been disgusted. I've been criticized. I've been scandalized. The devil's mad. And I'm glad to God be the glory. This may be the most important thing I say. If you accomplish anything in life, always remember what your pastor said. It's uphill all the way. Always remember that. If you accomplish anything in life, it's uphill all the way. Nobody ever said, I slid into success. Sure, she was criticized. This morning is crazy, folks. I walk in. And I don't think this man has ever given me a gift. But he's the first guy I see. (laughs) I walk in the door trying to get in my office, and he's standing there at my office. And I thought, this is strange. I've never had this guy stand here waiting on me. 
and he's holding a bag. And he said, Pastor Benny, I've got a gift for you. I said, that's awesome. And he handed me the bag, and then he took the gift out. He said, Pastor, I made it for you. I said, you made it for me? He said, yes. And he made me this right here. And this is what it says. Crows only pick at the best fruit. He said, I just felt led to give it to you. I didn't tell him because he don't have a clue. But I thought, brother, if you only knew, if you only knew, if you only knew, God knows just what we need, folks. He's faithful, amen. <laughs> I would ask you I'm, one other question. When did she do it? When did she do it? Folks, let me tell you what she did. Let me explain. In a few days... Jesus would have been dead. In a few days, he would have been dead. And you know what she said? I can't wait. No, I, I, I can't wait. I got to do it now. I got to do it now. Life is just a minute. Only 60 seconds in it. Forced upon me, can't refuse it. Didn't seek it, but it's up to me to use it. I must suffer if I lose it. Give an account if I abuse it. Life is just a minute, but eternity's in it. Think about it, folks. It was the only anointing his body received for burial. So, Jesus is beaten with a cat of nine tails. Jesus is spit upon. Jesus is mocked. Jesus is nailed to a cross. Jesus goes through every bit of that. And while he was going through it, the devil was whispering in his ear, nobody cares about you. Nobody cares about you. But this is what I believe happened. This is what I believe, folks. I can't prove it. But uh, I think I'm right. This is what I believe happened. The devil whispered in his ear, nobody cares. But I believe Jesus went, somebody cares. Somebody gave their all. Somebody gave everything. Somebody cares. Now, lastly, how did she do it? Here's what I want you to understand. How did she do it? Three things I want you to see, and we're almost done. If you get finished before I do, slip out. Number one, she broke it. She, she didn't do this. Little dab, little dab, little dab. You know what we're doing with the Lord? Little dab, little dab, little dab. Get real. Why don't we be honest, folks? If it rains, many people don't even go to church. I mean, we're just being transparent. If it rains, we, we, we don't go. If the preacher preaches past 12 o'clock, we're upset. We're spending more time feasting in the supper room than we are fasting in the upper room and wonder why we can't have revival. And the preacher's knee-deep in the Word of God, and we're shaking our watches, worried about the Baptist beating us to the restaurant. 
And then we say we want revival. Little dab, little dab, little dab, little dab, little dab, little dab. But she broke it. But she broke it. But she broke it. Couple met with me not long ago. God bear me record. She said, You need to have talk with my husband. I said, Why not? Why do I need? We're missing way too much church. You need to have a talk with him, Pastor. I said, Okay. I've told him when there's not a race going on on Sunday, we need to be in church. You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> little dab, little dab, little dab. Checkbook. Dog food. $143. Vacation. $1,250. Car payment. $800. Top check, $9.12. Little dab, little dab, little dab. We ought to break the ointment. Am I preaching the truth? You say, well, I'm visiting today and I'm not coming back next week. Good, I'll load your wagon while I've got you here. She broke the ointment. Now, let me tell you the second thing. She broke it, but here's the best news I know. God uses broken things. God uses broken things. You say, Pastor, you don't understand. My life's a mess, but God uses people whose lives have been in a mess. Pastor Benny, you don't understand. I've been in prison. God uses people that have been in prison. <laughs> you, you don't understand, Pastor Benny. I'm an addict. Uh, God uses people that have been addicts. Amen. You, you don't understand, Brother Benny. I've been, I've been through more marriages and Carter's got pills. It doesn't matter. God uses those kind of people. God uses broken people. God uses people that have made a mess out of their lives. God uses people that can understand the hurts and frustrations of other people. God uses broken things. Let me tell you something, folks. A broken crayon still colors. <laughs> And perhaps you've been broken. Perhaps you've messed up. You can still color. God can still use your life. God can still use your life. We miss this. Oh, he wanted to put him on the shelf, and he's done, and she's done. I find nothing biblical about that. I find we ought to restore people. I find when people are down, we ought to pick them up. God uses broken things. And I got a third point this week. Broken pots spill more water. Broken pots spill more water. This is all I'm going to say, folks. If I've been a help to you in your life in any capacity, in my preaching, in my life, it was not because of a success in my life. It was because of a failure in my life. 
It was because of a heartache. It was because of a disappointment. It was because of a brokenness. Because the broken, hurtful, painful things of my life, God has used to make me a better person. And God will do the same thing in your life. He'll take what the enemy meant for bad and he'll turn around and he'll use it for good. He'll take what the enemy meant for bad and he'll turn around and he'll use it for good. He'll take what the enemy went for bad and he'll turn around and use it for good. Amen? Now let me say something. Mary did what she could, when she could, and all she could. Mary did what she could, when she could, and all she could. I heard about a father. He had two sons. One of them was brilliant. IQ off the chart. One of them was mentally challenged. The brilliant son brought his report card in. And he said, look, Dad, Straight A's. His dad said, son, I'm so proud of you. You're my boy. I'm so proud of you. And then the dad looked, and that other son was struggling, fumbling to tie his shoe. And finally he got it tied. And he said, look, daddy. And his dad said, son, I am so proud of you. You have done great. Let me tell you something, folks. God never compares us. So we shouldn't compare ourselves. God never compares us. All he wants you to do is your best. All he wants is your alabaster box. Jensen Franklin is a buddy of mine. And Jensen told me a story. He said, Benny, have you ever preached in India? I said, no, I haven't, Jensen. He said, you go to India and you preach. And he said, you pass the offering bag. And he said, when you pass that offering bag, they'll put a handful of rice in it. They'll put some seeds in it. They'll put maybe a piece of fruit in it. I said, okay. But he said, one day I was over there preaching and they passed the offering bag. And it came to a lady. And she took the bag. And she didn't have anything to put in it. And she took the bag and she put it in her seat. And then she just sat on the bag. And what she was saying... God, you've got me. I give you me. You know what God wants you, folks? He wants you 
want you to just sit on the bag. He just wants you. He just wants all of you. He just wants you to break the alabaster box. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin. And I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now. Because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make. And thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.